function junction what's your function connecting people who have got some big problems dysfunction junction can you function i think it'd be fine if they just stopped talking dysfunction junction how do you function i've got friends working home they won't leave me alone no 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 All right, good morning, EBC. How you guys doing? Good to see all of you today. How about that choir? Love the choir. Well, that kind of brings back some uh, childhood memories a little bit, uh, the, the whole schoolhouse rock. Welcome to Dysfunction Junction. We want to welcome you here to EBC. We're going to be talking over the next several weeks about just kind of navigating through some of the difficulties in our relationships. And you guys have any trouble in relationships ever? Anybody raise your hands? I don't believe it about you. I thought this church had it all together. I just knew you all did. But uh, the reality is, is that relationships, our relationships can be some of the biggest blessings in our lives, right? And we love the people who are in our life and, and we love our, our families and it's good to be with them and stuff. But, but if we're also perfectly honest, relationships can be some of the most challenging things that we experience in our life, especially as you start moving closer and closer into the hol holidays factor that in and the stress of the holidays and then kind of trying to get everybody together. And, and uh, by the way, I just want to, I just want to let you know it's 63 days until Christmas and just giving you enough time to shop. All right. Some of you, you're, you're, you, you just uh, are starting to freak out a little bit going, oh my goodness, it's here. But here is what we all know, right? No matter how good our relationships are, no matter how many degrees you have behind your name, no matter, no matter how often you come to church, what we know is this, relationships are hard. Wouldn't you agree? They're hard. And they get messy because we're all a little bit messy. We all have struggles in our lives. <clears throat> How many of you have a difficult person that you have to deal with in your life? Would you raise your hands, all right? Point at them if you want, no, but at your own, no, don't do that, all right? But uh, if you're not raising your hand, you might be the person. I don't know. I'm just saying. All right. If you're not, you could be. I'm not saying you are. But none of us are perfect. None of our families are perfect. I want you to know that your pastors and our families, we struggle just like you do. Sometimes we have marriage struggles. We go through dry spells in our marriages. Sometimes as, as parents, we make mistakes. Sometimes our families are just a little bit messy. In fact, let me give you an example. This was a couple of weeks ago. I came home one night, and it had been a very long day. Uh, in fact, it was, a, it was a day that was not typical. I, I, I put in 14 hours on this day, and that's not typical. But there was a lot going on. I didn't get home till after 10 o'clock at night. And when I came home, uh, there, was, uh, there was trash that was stacked up beside the trash can. Okay, trash be, are you hearing me? Okay, beside the trash can. Hope had worked all day as well. She was in bed already and getting ready for another day. She works very hard. There was trash beside the trash can. There was trash on the counters. There was some trash that was even on the coffee table, which is right at dog height. And one of our dogs had decided to just have a nice trashy meal, and there was trash just into a thousand pieces on the, on the ground there. You know, the daughter was like, awesome dinner. And, and, and I had been out, and this was my mentality, I've been out all day doing the Lord's work. 
you know, all day doing the Lord's work. And you'd think that I would be spiritually mature at that point. How many of you believe that about your pastor? You just hurt me deeply. I'm just saying that. So you would think that because I'm a pastor at that moment, I would have just been like, you know what? Everybody else is busy around this house. They're busy just like I'm busy and you know, and, 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 you know, maybe there were just things going on in their lives today. And you know what? This is really on me because I'm typically responsible for the trash. And I should have done a preemptive trash takeout earlier this morning. They wouldn't have had to deal with the trash today while I'm gone. And, you know, this is what I'm made for. I'm made for dealing with the trash in our family. That's my job. Anybody else deal with it? Tra- You're the trash, responsible for trash. Yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. And in fact, I'm just thankful to Jesus that we have trash. You know, that's, that's how we pastors handle this. And I'm thankful we even have leftovers and trash and all this good stuff. And thank you, Jesus. And I'm so grateful for you, you little Yorkie poo who just, who just tore our trash into thousands of pieces. You're the little light of my life. You come on over here. Praise Jesus for trash. I wish I could say that's what I did, but I didn't. What really went through my mind was more along the lines of this. Really? When I walked in, there's trash, 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 every, trash on the, really? Are you serious? I got my phone out. I'm taking pictures of this. How many of you take pictures and send it to your family? Okay. I'm taking pictures and everyone's going to get a nice text. Okay. A real nice text. And what? Nobody, this is going in my mind, nobody in this family can lift a finger to take the trash out or walk like 20 feet to the freaking trash can. All right. Nobody can help me. I've got, you, go ahead, dad. You work all day. You just go ahead. And, and provide for us. And, and you know, I'm mumbling under my breath. I'm just, I mean, how many of you feel me on this? Anybody else? You, you, all right. And really, am I alone in the trash burden in the house? Nobody else could do this while I'm out? Freeloaders, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what was going on in my mind, although they all do help. But at that moment, dysfunction junction was pulling into the how depot. I'm just saying, all right was rolling into Howltown at that point. And that's kind of what I was thinking, but the reality is that all of our families can get a little messy. All of our families, we get aggravated with each other and annoyed with one another, and we struggle with one another. And, and I know that you can relate to this, right? And so because of this, we wanna do this series because we need some wisdom from God. I'm telling you right now, straight up, I need wisdom from God in my relationships. I need it. I need help from the Lord to know how to deal with this. If, if we're ever going to put the fun back in dysfunction in our families, we're going to have to have some help from the Lord because the, 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 the point is, is that we all are broken. We all can be selfish. We all can get prideful. And it can impact our family relationships. And, and when all of that factored with stress of work and factored with other stressors that you have in your life, It all comes together, it collides, and boom, you have dysfunction junction on your your hands. Because here's what I know, we don't have any Stepford families here at EBC. We're all a little bit broken, right? And the Stepford families probably go to the other church in town, but not not, not here. Uh, And and, and we all struggle with stuff in our lives. We're not only a mess, if I'm being totally honest with you, 
We've got some weirdness in our family too. How many of you have weird family members, extended family in your, okay. Let me just tell you, I, I was thinking back of whenever I was a teenager and we would go to our family reunions and, uh, and I was a teenager and you know how you can be mortified by family, right? And, and, and so I've, I've got a little bit of Christmas vacation family going on in my family at some of our events. And so I was thinking at one, we had this one, she's the sweetest lady ever, is on my mom's side of the family. She is, she's uh, one of my mom's great aunts, or maybe her aunt, and just the sweetest lady, but she, she's a little bit weird, okay? And she, back when, what I remember of her, she, she would take that, not dip like Skoll or Copenhagen, she had this powdery snuff. Do any of you remember that stuff? Okay, and she had this, and it would be on her face, and it would be on her lips, and she would be like, come on and give me some sugars. And as a teenager, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. And then she's like, and I made these pickled beets and they're in a mayonnaise jar, okay? Mayonnaise jar. They're going fast. And I'm like, no, really, I'm good, okay? And I'm thinking, I'm kind of stepping back and when they would pull up, it'd be like the clampets from the Beverly Hillbillies that would come to our family events. And, and I'm just sitting here and I'm kind of looking at them and I love them, they're good folks and stuff, but I'm just like, this is my family. This is my, this is my lineage. We have ancestry DNA. Many of you have looked at yours. I have Irish in mine and Scottish, and then I've got this real big slice of the pie, which is straight up hillbilly. Okay, that's, that's where we're at. And, and we all, you know, we, we all have weirdness in our families too. So, over the years, God has been teaching me that uh, here's something, because we're all a little bit weird, and I know when they see me, they think I'm weird too. We're all weird. I have so many flaws, and I'm, I have bizarre tendencies, but here is something God is teaching me in this process, is we have to decide to love the family that we have and not maybe the family we wish we had. <laughs> God wants us to learn to love the, the kids that he has blessed us with, and they're broken too. God wants us to learn to love the, the spouse that we have and not maybe what our expectation of what they should be. And so, but we need help in this. We need help in learning how to, and wisdom in learning how to navigate through some of the messiness in our lives, because if I'm straight up honest, I battle with selfishness. Man, I can be a selfish sucker. And I can really battle with pride where it creeps into my life. So we need help from the Lord and we are inviting the Lord to help us in this series to help us work through some of the difficulties and the challenges in our relationships. And it's not just around the holidays that, that, that we battle with this. This is day in and day out where we have to daily choose to do things the way that God instructs us to do them as opposed to the way that we think it should be done or the way the world says to do it. So we're gonna look in the book of James. If you have your Bibles with me, turn to James chapter three. We're gonna spend a few weeks in the book of James. And James was the half-brother of Jesus, okay? Can you imagine what it would have been like to have grown up in the household with Jesus who was perfect? Can you, I wondered if Mary ever came alongside James and was like, why can't you be more like Jesus, you know, <laughs> or whatever. You know, the Lord, perfect. And, and when James was, you know, acting up in the grocery store or whatever he would do, because he wasn't perfect. Jesus was the only one who was perfect. And you imagine if, if that ever happened, how that might have messed James up just a little bit, you know. And, you know, if you struggle with maybe your sibling who you maybe have compared yourself to, they make A's, you made B's. 
they were maybe more athletic. You couldn't do, do very well at sports. And so, you know, just can you imagine being James? Just opening your eyes in the morning means you are an underachiever in the family, okay? In comparison, because Jesus was perfect. He was only going to, let's see, save the world. Okay, so try living up to this. And in fact, there may have been some, a tendency for James to even struggle with Jesus. I can't prove that, but I do know this, that he didn't believe in Jesus while at a certain point. Look at what scripture says. John chapter seven, verse five says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. So there may have been some hurt in that relationship that may have even, who knows, it may have even hurt Jesus a little bit because Jesus was fully human. His own family maybe didn't, uh, as they weren't receiving him at that point. So even what the point is, is that even their family wasn't perfect. If you will look at the lineage of Jesus and James, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find a lot of dysfunction in that family. And, and I love that the, that the Lord puts that in the word for us to be able to see that, is that that family was even messed up. Now, Jesus was perfect, but every other person in that family had flaws. Every other person had selfishness. Every other person battled with things like we battle with things. And so James is going to write, at, by the way, what changed James's mind about Jesus, do you know what it was? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> As he was raised from the dead, James was like, okay, I, I, can, I can agree with this now, all right? I think he has something here. And so James believes in Jesus. Isn't that interesting? His own half-brother as his own savior, and he becomes a leader, a leader in the church. James becomes this leader, and he is coming alongside a group of people that he's writing to, these persecuted believers who are struggling, but they're also struggling in their relationships with one another. And he's going to write to a group of people who were even maybe bickering back and forth, who were dealing with some dysfunction in their relationships. They were arguing with one another about things. And James is going to give them some instruction and so, now one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to come back to a portion in James chapter 3 in a couple of weeks where James really deals with one of the greatest sources of our dysfunction, which is our mouth, which gets us into trouble. But before we do that, we're going to look at what James will say uh, regarding our mouth and how we need what, what's going on inside of us. We need some help from the Lord and some wisdom that comes from the Lord. So James is going to, James is going to say this in James chapter 3. He's going to say this in verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, that's very important, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, this word humility is a key word, and it's a word we looked at a few weeks back in our Happiness Is series, as it's this word that also means meekness. And remember, meekness is that gentleness. It's, it's not weak. It's strength, but it is under control of the master, all right? And when we learn how to be humble with one another, when we gain more wisdom from God, that's going to set us up for some success in our relationships. He goes on and he says this though, but if you are bitterly jealous, that word bitterly jealous, that word there is also a word that kind of resembles resentment. If you're carrying resentment or you're carrying jealousy, 
Maybe you grew up in a family where you were compared with someone or, or you struggled with being jealous with another family member or maybe they have more than you have and, and it's just that, that resentment has been harboring in your life. He says this, and there is selfish ambition, selfishness. What he says here is, in, and it's in your heart, by the way, that's going to translate in the way you talk to one another. Um, when we want our own way, there are two manifestations of pride. He says this resentment and then selfishness. Resentment and selfishness. Now he's going to tell us what's going to happen. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy or that resentment, okay, and selfishness. He's going to straight up say it. That's not God's way. That's not God's kind of wisdom, He's going to go on and say this. It's not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly. What he means is it's not God's kind of way of handling things in relationships. It's how the world does it. He says it's even unspiritual, and then he's going to kick it up another notch. It's even, look at what he says, demonic. And what does he mean by that? Well, when you look at the, at the kind of the history of, of Satan, and you see, you see that what caused his fall was pride, it was pride, and, and he says you're acting more like Satan when you're prideful with one another than whenever you show humility, because that's more like Jesus. He says it's even demonic. There's something that's going on there behind the scenes. For wherever there is, here it is again, that jealousy or that resentment, those kinds of feelings, and selfish ambition, here's what he's going to tell us, there you're going to find every kind of, you're going to find disorder. You're going to find dysfunction. You're going to find chaos in your relationships. And then he says, an evil of every kind. It's going to lead to, uh, it can lead to emotional abuse. It can lead to physical abuse. It can lead to outbursts of rage. It can lead to all kinds of things. Whenever this is out of control, it leads to dysfunction. It leads to chaos. What James is saying is where you find ego, where you find pride, you're going to have a lot of chaos in your relationships. You're going to have a lot of drama. I want to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have a lot of drama that just constantly is going on in your family or in your relationships at work? Or maybe drama among people where you go to school, and it's, it's a lot of times you're kind of in the middle of this. What James is saying is that selfishness, this selfishness, this arrogance, it's ego, it infects our lives, it infects our families, it's toxic in our workplaces, it causes office politics, it causes drama at school, selfishness, ego, it's toxic. That's what James is saying. In fact, I started just really thinking about myself, and I'm just going to straight up telling you I'm preaching this to myself today. As I was preparing, I'm like, this is my message today. Thank you, Lord. It kind of hurts a little bit, but here's something that I just want to just confess to you. When I am at my very worst, and sometimes I can just be a jerk, and sometimes I can be very When I am at my worst, I can tell you, I can tell you every time that pride and selfishness is under the underlying root Whenever Hope and I have an argument, we had, we had a good one a few weeks ago. Any of you have good ones, right? We call it, in, we call it intense fellowship, okay, as we were arguing. And, and, and just the bottom line is we got to a point where we couldn't even remember what we were arguing about because it became about the way we were arguing. And I just started thinking, when I actually removed myself from the scenario for a few minutes, a few minutes I started realizing this is all selfishness. I'm just being prideful now. 
because I don't know about you, but I like to win, okay? We'll talk about that. It causes disorder. James would go on and say, when we're prideful in chapter four, he's going to just say this. In fact, God opposes you. When you're prideful, God opposes the proud. That's what he says in James 4, 6. He opposes the proud, but what he says is, but here's what he does. He gives grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, but I need more grace. I'm going to need it. I need more of it in my life. My family needs me to be more gracious with them, to be more merciful. James is urging us to lean into God's ways, God's wisdom. And when it happens, our families aren't going to be perfect, but they're going to be healthier. They're going to be healthier for our, our kids to grow up in that. It's going to maybe change the way that that we've been doing things when we decide to, to lean into God's ways instead of doing what we think the way we should do it. And, and, and here's the deal. A lot of times when you come into a series like this and you come into a message like this, what we will often discover is that it's easy to get into a series and be hearing a talk like this and think, man, I wish so-and-so was here today. Give it to them, Pastor Bart. Or, man, I hope they're really listening today. And what James is in essence saying is this. You got to go to work on your selfie. We are the selfie generation, aren't we? I showed you kind of a duck face selfie a few weeks ago and kind of what that's all about. But has there ever been a generation that has taken more picture, pictures of themselves than our generation? We got this down, wouldn't you agree? I mean, we, and we're good at it. I mean, you even got to know how to do it. You don't take a selfie holding it down here because then it's going to make you have three chins, right? All right. How do we do it? You got to come kind of like this, you know, you're kind of looking down. You've lost like 15 pounds immediately by that. We even have apps. There's an app called Facetune. Facetune will help you with your selfie. It will whiten your teeth if you need a little help there. It will, it will unwrinkle the stuff around your eyes and your brows. It, it's got a little Photoshop for you to be able to do that. Some of you are like, that's the only notes you're taking all day, right? Is, what did he say? What did he say? Facetune? Face I've got that. I've got to get that, you know, or whatever. You're welcome. And uh, well, I figured since I was talking kind of about going to work on your selfie a little bit today, I, I just figured I would try that app out a little bit. And so I made a few minor adjustments, but not much. There wasn't much that needed to be done. Uh, so whenever I finished, this is kind of what I ended up with. This is how it, it, it turned out. And uh, as I said, it, there wasn't a lot to change. You know, the resemblance was just, just eerily close and maybe a little hair added, all right? But, but, but what God really wants us to do is to go to work on our selfie, not the external. But, you know, we, we, if we're honest, we need to go to work on the internal selfie, Right? I do, and I know that you're with me in this. We need to go to work on the, the places in our heart that can cause some of this dysfunction. Because here's the deal. When you get God's wisdom, it doesn't mean this, that all of your relationships are going to perfectly work out. Because here's the thing, is you can't control how the other people are going to respond. But all you can do is go to work on your selfie, go to work on the inside of you, and, and perhaps your response is now becoming more godly. It might in some cases diffuse the, the situation some. I won't say, I'm not saying I'm promising you it's going to fix it because you can't control the other person. 
But you can have more peace in your own heart as you're working through some things, knowing that, that you realize that, hey, it, it, it takes two to tango, right? It takes two in some of this, and I can't control you, but I'm going to go to work on myself. I'm going to ask you, God, to give me wisdom. In fact, it may diffuse some of it. I can tell you a couple of weeks ago, if I would have practiced this that I'm about to tell you, that that, that argument that Hope and I had probably wouldn't have happened. But instead, I made a choice that day to not go God's wisdom, but to go, you know what, I'm offended by that. And it was not fun, okay? What God really wants is for us to go to work internally. And, and uh, uh, what many of us will say is, man, if God, if you would just fix all of the idiots around me, I wouldn't have this function. Are you, or do you agree with me? Okay. Uh, we would, I wouldn't have this, man. There's just idiots everywhere. And we know that that's true. Uh, but the reality is you can't control that. You just go to work on yourself. So I need God's wisdom. Well, what does it look like? If you're taking some notes, write this down. What does God's wisdom look like? And James is going to begin to just flesh this out, and you're going to see it's drastically different than what our natural gut instinct is, which is to retaliate, which is to speak our mind every time we need to say something, which is to set everybody else straight, which is to provoke an anger. That's what a lot of us like to do. So here's what he says godly wisdom looks like. Wisdom from above. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, he says it's pure. We're going to break this down a little bit and unpack it further. It's peace-loving. It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. Oh, boy. That part of the verse is annoying, right? It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. In fact, will you read this next part out loud with me and bring it up on the screen? Say it with me, church. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of what? Righteousness. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what kind of seeds am I planting in my relationships? You're planting some kind of seed. Do you know that? You're planting either trust or distrust. You're planting either peace or strife. We're all planting in one way or another. And you know what I noticed about this passage is that how many of these characteristics uh, that James mentions here are right in line with the Sermon on the Mount, with the Beatitudes that we looked at just a few weeks ago. That they follow, I started thinking, you know, James was probably hearing Jesus say these things before he believed in him, and he was probably like, I don't know about that. But then he starts realizing, and he starts mentioning these very same things that Jesus would bring up, these characteristics that will bring happiness in our lives. That's what the Lord was trying to tell us. You want true happiness. This is how you get it. It comes through humility. It comes through being gentle, having integrity peace-loving, mercy. James must have at some point said, you know what, he's right about all of that because I've tried the other ways and they don't work. I wonder how many times he heard him preach that and he just finally at some point said, you know what, this applies to me. This applies to our relationships. I can look at the church here and say that the relationship problems you're having, if you'll just apply what my brother said, you're going to find that it's going to 
It's going to bring some happiness. So he says, let's talk about that. Let me give you some wisdom from above. Wisdom from above. Why does he say it that way? Because I want to tell you this. You can be educated and be a fool. You can have degrees behind your name, but not have a clue on how to relate to another person. In fact, I would tell you this, the smartest person I have ever known, his relationships were a wreck, a wreck. And he's very lonely because he's smart, but he's not wise. Wisdom from above, that's what James says we need. And, and, and go back to verse 18. Those who are peacemakers, Pastor Randy spoke on this a few weeks ago, happy are the peacemakers. Happy are those who are peacemakers. They will plant seeds of peace and they will reap a harvest of righteousness. So what are you planting? What are you planting? Well, I need wisdom in knowing how to plant and explore God's wisdom for my life. I need more of it. I need more grace. I need more wisdom because I really blow it from time to time in my relationships. So here's what he's going to say. Let's just break it down. Godly wisdom for our relationships. First of all, he says it's pure. He gives us this, this idea of it being pure. It's uncorrupted. That word means undefiled. It means unpolluted. It's clean. It's pure. In fact, here's what it really means in the way we would say it today. It has integrity. It has integrity. That's what that word is. Happy are the pure in heart. That's what he's, he's reiterating here. He's saying the foundation of these good relationships is based upon this key factor, honesty and truth. There's truthfulness. It, all relationships that are good, healthy relationships are going to be built upon trust. There's trust in the relationships. You can be real. You can be honest. You don't have to play games. Many of us will play games in our relationships. And many times the reason we play games is because we are afraid. It's because we feel sometimes it's out of self-preservation. Sometimes we don't want to be honest. Sometimes we're protecting our, you know, kind of self-protecting. And so we'll do self-preserving. We'll do whatever it is. We'll say whatever we have to say. We'll manipulate. We might deceive. We might, de you know what I'm saying? And, and what James is saying is if you want to have a healthy relationship, you've got to get to a place where you can speak honestly with one another where you can have a discussion instead of being passive aggressive and you can actually sit down and have a conversation and say how you're really feeling and hear how that other person is really feeling and, 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 and you know, listen, and we'll talk more about this in a second, and listening to the other person and not playing games. Honesty is the bedrock of healthy relationships. The guy who invented the polygraph, he was a co-founder of the polygraph. He did over 25,000 tests more 25,000 lie detector tests, and then he wrote a book about his conclusion. Do you know what his conclusion was for all of us? We're liars. <laughs> you think he got cynical in his work? He said, Human, humankind is fundamentally dishonest. This is what he said. And so, and you know, but he's not saying anything that God hasn't already told us. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. The book of Jeremiah tells us this about ourselves. We will deceive, we will seek to deceive God. We will seek to deceive each other. We'll tell half truths because we don't want to engage, you know. We, we'll manipulate. But here's the person we lie to oftentimes the most, ourselves. Instead of really just saying, you know, what's, 
God, what are you trying to speak to me about? Paul writes about this. He says this, and going to work on your selfie, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says this, chapter 4, verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the, what does he say? Truth. You've learned the truth that comes from Jesus, from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your, that's how you used to be, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust, that's selfish ambition. And what's the next thing? Deception. Deception. And instead, he says, you take that off and you put on the Spirit of God. All right, this is the language he uses. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Let it renew your, this is big, your attitudes. The attitudes. Put on your new nature. If you're a Christ follower, Jesus has made that possible for you and for me to have this new nature to put on daily. The same way you put on your clothes every day, right? You can put on the new nature daily like this and realize it's already happened. I have been crucified in Christ. This has been made available to me as a believer. Look, he says, put on your new nature. You were created to be like God, truly righteous and even holy. That means we're different. We're not like the rest of the world. We don't handle our relationships like the rest of the world. And then he's just going to be very direct. He's going to start addressing specific behavior. Stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. And he would talk about speaking truth, but speaking it saturated in love. It's not just to hurt somebody. You're not just, well, let me tell you what I really think. Pastor Bart said I should just tell you and give it to you. I'm tired of playing. No, don't do that, okay? Dysfunction, junction, what? all right? Okay, that would begin rolling into town it's got to be motivated with love. And so here is my action point in this. My action point is if I want to begin to gain heavenly wisdom from God and start, and start putting his wisdom into practice, then my action point and yours is today is I have to commit myself to integrity. I have to say I'm going to have integrity in my relationships. I'm going to shoot straight in a loving way when I need to shoot straight. I'm not going to be passive-aggressive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak the truth in love. I'm going to stop playing games. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to stop telling half-truths to protect myself. I, 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 I want to foster an environment of truthfulness in my family. I want my kids to learn that it's okay to tell the truth even when you blow it and not cover up, right? Because we have a tendency to cover up. I want, them to, I want them to understand that integrity in the relationship is important. I want to break cycles of dysfunction that have been in my family at certain points. And, and many times in coming clean, if I'm being honest, a lot of times the reason I won't come clean is because I'm self-protecting. Well, look at what Proverbs says about this. For the Lord grants wisdom. Praise God for that. I need more of it. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. But look at the next part. This really spoke to me this week. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Which means this, is I don't have to protect myself. God protects me. When I'm walking with integrity, I'm trusting him. Now again, don't, don't think that I'm just giving you this simple formula that you go out and you do this and all your relationships are going to be automatically right. 
All you can do is you walk with integrity. You do the right thing. You speak honestly and pray and trust God in that process. All you can do is go to work on yourself fee, yourself, okay? So I'm going to stop telling lies and manipulating truth because I'm going to trust God. And if I don't do that, he's saying you're going to have dysfunction. You're going to have chaos. You're going to have disorder. You're going you're to have a family that is a mess. And I think many of us can relate to that. Next, James says, godly wisdom is this. It's peace-loving. It loves peace. Pastor Randy did an incredible job talking about this a few weeks ago. It loves peace. Are you someone that you just live for a fight? Where you feel like it is your responsibility to set the rest of the world straight. And if that is you, what James would say is you are a fool. And your relationships are going to be a mess. And you're going to have dysfunction and, and chaos. I'm undressing before y'all, sorry. You're going to have dysfunction and chaos. Those who are peace-loving, those who are peace-loving are more interested in their relationships being right than in having to prove all of the, their points being right. And this one's tough for many of us, especially if you are competitive. Anybody competitive? Raise your hands. My hand was up before yours. All right, just saying. All right. If you are competitive, you like to win. And sometimes we will seek to win at all costs, and it translates into the way that we even argue. Am I talking to the right people today? Because I'm talking to myself. Because I like to win. And so this one works me over because I struggle with this and all the, the bickering that can go back and forth and that, that can happen on social media and you feel like you got to set everybody straight and you feel like you got to let give everyone a piece of your mind and all this, James says, is foolish. You need to learn to pick your battles. So here's what I'm going to do in my action point is I'm not going to antagonize your anger. What I've discovered is that by being around certain groups of people enough, we start learning what one another's hot buttons are. And we learn that and we file that away and we get ready for whatever it's time. Right? I've done this before and I struggle with this. And that's kind of a, it's kind of a weapon of mass destruction in your relationship. And here's what Proverbs would say. It would say it's foolish. James would say it's foolish. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor, he says. Only fools insist on quarreling. Can you sometimes just not let it go? Man, y'all going to have sore ribs today because I see some of this going on, right? Where you just can't let it go and it's like you won't let it go. And here are some ways that we can help with or ways that we antagonize anger. If you want to stop antagonizing that, some of these weapons of mass destructions in relationships, stop comparing. Whenever you're saying, you know, if you were more like this or you're like this or one time, Hope and I were arguing, this was many, many years ago because I learned this one the hard way and we were arguing and I said, hello, Joyce. Joyce is Hope's mom, Linda is Hope's twin sister. She was in the last service, and she went, oh, out loud. I said, hello, Joyce. You're just like Joyce. That's what I said. And 
what I learned from that was this, that was not a good thing to say. <laughs> That's comparing. It antagonizes anger. Here's another one. Stop condemning. This is where you're playing the guilt and shame game where you're trying to guilt somebody and manipulate them into doing what you want them to do and you oftentimes will play Holy Spirit. You ought to do this. You should do this. And it turns into nagging over and over again. And you know what it really just does? It just makes them angry. And human nature within us, we just start rebelling against that. Or stop contradicting. This just ticks people off when you do this, where do you finish other people's sentences? Do you listen or do you, do you contradict and you feel it's your responsibility to correct every detail in another person, right? Where you, that's like your thing. Hope calls this for me lawyer mode, all right? I go into lawyer mode and I can't remember what I did yesterday, but when we get in an argument, I go historical, not hysterical, historical, all right? Which means I can remember everything. The Lord has corrected me in this. I had a friend in college where his, my roommate, his parents would come in town and his parents, they, they would fight in front of us. And it was, it was kind of humorous to me, okay? It was totally dysfunction junction. But he couldn't tell a story without his wife correcting every sentence because he was messing the story up. And finally he'd go, fine, why don't you just tell the story since you know so dang much? And it would just be like, cricket, cricket. We'd all be in there. And I started humming dysfunction. No, I didn't, but I wanted to. And then she would tell the story and we'd all be like, it didn't even matter. You didn't, I mean, it didn't matter. Do you feel like you have to correct every single thing? I'm not saying you shouldn't speak truth into things, but the, there is an art. Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook, knowing what to let go, knowing what to say. Yeah, that's not that big of a deal. I'm not going to correct that. Godly wisdom, quickly, is gentle Next, he says it's gentle. What this means, and he says it's gentle at all times. With, what does that mean? I wish I could tell you it means something different in the other language, in the Koine Greek, but it doesn't. It means at all times, all right? And, and here's what this word means. It's considerate. That's what the word means. There's consideration for the other person, for their feelings. Paul even says it this way in Philippians. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Considerate. He's saying it should be obvious that we as Christ followers, that consideration of others should be a quality that others notice about us. That we're considerate. And what this really means is I'm considerate of feelings of others. I, I consider that, that their feelings, the way they're feeling about it, is, is, it's okay to let them feel a certain way. It's okay for them to recognize that every word that might come out of their mouth, they may not actually even mean some of those words, but, but a consideration is this. I wonder what's going on underneath there. What, what, what led to you getting to this place where you're so upset? Instead of just taking offense at every word, it's consideration. Another thing that, that, that consideration is, is validating those feelings of others. You've probably, it's not dismissing how others feel whenever they express, I feel a certain way. Well, that's just dumb. You shouldn't feel like that. You know, I, I, I've been doing this, trying to make you not. That's just dumb. Or it's illogical. Or you shouldn't be like this. Or whatever. 
That's dysfunctional. Consideration means that you'll let them say what they need to say. You listen to what they have to say. Uh, If you're married, you probably have experienced this, as our family has. Ooh, it's cold in here. It's not cold in here. Well, I'm cold. No, you're not. You know, (laughs) anybody else play that game? All right. No, it's freezing. I'm freezing right now. Well, I don't know how you could be freezing in here because it's really hot in here right now. I have a question. How many of you in here, you're cold right now? Anybody? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you, you're hot. You're just burning up, Randy. He's hot, man. All right. A lot of you. Here's what hope has been teaching me, my wife, because she will wear a jacket in August and in July, and I've never understood it. I'm like, what? There have been times where I'm like, what is wrong with you? How are you wearing that? And she's like, nothing's wrong with me. I'm like, no, it's weird. You're wearing a jacket in July or whatever. And what hope is teaching me is that in one room, one person can be hot and one person can be cold and neither is wrong. Whoever came up with the dual climate air conditioner in the car has saved my marriage. (laughs) They deserve the Nobel Peace Prize. Wouldn't you agree? It's, it's, when we, when we dismiss the way a person's feeling, we are minimizing that person's value. It might go like this. I'm really afraid about this. Well, don't be. (laughs) Thank you so much for the support and the help. Why didn't I think about not being afraid? Thank you so much, Einstein. I didn't realize that. I don't know if your conversations go like that. But that's minimizing. And, and, And again, what hope is teaching me is that feelings are neither right nor wrong. It's okay to let a person feel a certain way. A a, a better question may be, as, as the conversation progresses, is instead of telling them how they feel, is why are you feeling that way? What's going on with your feelings there? What's leading to that? Help me understand more. Right? So here's what I'm going to do as my action point. I won't minimize your feelings. I I, I don't want to minimize your feelings. I want to allow you to express. They're just feelings. Instead, I won't argue them. I'll empathize I won't condescend. I won't even try to psychologize. Let me tell you why you're feeling this way. Oh, thank you, Dr. Freud. You know, you don't even know why you feel the way you do, okay? And, and, and so it just kind of leads to that, and, and, and so I'll be considerate. Number four, godly wisdom is willing to yield to others. It's willing to yield. This is humility. What James says is it's reasonable, That's what it means. That word means reasonable. It allows discussion. Godly wisdom dies to self. It doesn't always have to be right. And if you're the opposite of this, you're stubborn. You've made your mind up. When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you, right? That kind of mentality. How well do you listen to others? Are you willing to take suggestions Are you willing to listen when others are seeking to speak into your life? Are you willing, even if you think it's a, there's a better way to do it, there are certain times maybe it might be better for the whole if you just say, it's okay if we do it your way. And then you might just say under your breath where no one hears the wrong way or whatever. But but seriously, so here's what I'll do is this is humility. I'll listen to your suggestions. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be a good listener. Even to those that I disagree with, are you willing to take suggestions from people? Are you willing to listen to people? Proverbs says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. 
Their ears are open for knowledge. They may make suggestions, and it may just mean, you know, as a good suggestion. It doesn't mean you have to do everything the suggestion says. I don't know if you realize this or not, but I get, as a pastor of a growing, thriving church, I get lots of suggestions. And some of them are great suggestions, and some of them are dumb, okay? And what I've learned to do, you've never given me a dumb one, though. I want to be clear on that. That's only in the first service, okay? And, and uh, now, I don't know what I said in the first service, but it may have been that it was yours. I don't know. But you know what I've had to, I've had to learn, that, and, and, and I think Randy said this a few weeks ago, is that even a broken clock is right at least twice a day. Sometimes we just need to listen we might actually pick up something good. And if we don't pick up something good, we just say, that was a great suggestion. It doesn't mean you have to do it, but you listen. You're listening. Godly wisdom, next, merciful. I'm gonna overlook offenses. I'm not gonna pounce on every mistake that everyone around me makes where I'm like looking for things to say, you know, oh yeah, what about that? Or, but I'm gonna remember that because God has been so gracious with me then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to realize he's called me to be gracious with others. See, the closer you are with the Lord and the more you recognize his grace and the more you remember what he's done, then it translates into the way that you are with others. And, and so here's what mercy is. Wise people give people what they need, not what they deserve. We give them what they need, which is mercy. I need lots of mercy from God. People around us need mercy. So here's my action point. I'm not going to emphasize your mistakes. I'm not going to just point out everything you I'm going to look over some things and, you know, so get, get the person right now in your mind who you probably love the most. Even that person, if you are honest, they probably do things that get on your nerves. And you do the same for them. And here's what wise people do. They have the, the art, that art of overlooking things and letting things go. Focus on what they do that is great and what you love about them. Let certain things go. You don't have to argue every point. And here is the final thing. Godly wisdom is impartial and sincere. What this word means, it means it's without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. And what this means is, is I'm not going to disguise or wear masks in the relationship. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going I'm to express truth. I'm going to be honest, as we said a moment ago. I don't have to act like I have it all together. Even being transparent, what this might actually do is I'm letting some people in, and now the relationship goes to some depths that it wasn't going to go to because for many of us, we wear masks in our relationships. And he's saying, that's hypocrisy. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be impartial with others, but I'm going to be sincere. So let's just, let's just go to the Lord right now, okay? Let's just wrap this up. Surely in all of these things that James would mention, there's certainly at least one thing that God would say, I'm speaking to you about. What God spoke to me about this week is that I need to be, I need to be more considerate of my wife's feelings. The other thing he spoke to me about is, I need to be more gentle with my children in the way I talk to them. What about you today? Which one of these is God saying, I want you to go to work on this. Go to work on your selfie. Stop thinking about who else needs to hear this today. God wants you to hear this today. 
what God desires so much to do in our church and in our families is to flood his presence and his grace and his love into our lives and his peace. He wants to give us wisdom because he loves our families and he loves you. But if you won't heed this advice from James, you're gonna live in a deep world of self-inflicted pain. And you might be right in a lot of arguments, but can I tell you something you're gonna be? You're gonna be alone. And that is not what God wants. So how many of you would say today, just we're being real before the Lord, how many of you would say, Pastor Bard, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna lay it out there. I need some wisdom from God today. I need some wisdom for my relationships. Some of my relationships, they're a little bit of a mess and I'm just acknowledging that today. I'm asking God for help. Would you pray for me today? I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out, but if that's you today, can we just be real and let's just go to the Lord and you just say, that's me and you just raise your hands and you say, that's me, I need some help. I need wisdom today. I can't figure this out on my own. I need godly wisdom. I've been trying to do it my way and I am breaking it. I'm messing it up. Just lift them up, lift them up high to the Lord. Just in, you're, just, you're just saying, Lord, here I am in this. Would you give me your help? And you know what James also says? He says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask and I will give it to you. Let's just give it up to God right now. Father, thank you that you are the greatest peacemaker of all. You made peace between us and God through Jesus Christ, between yourself, Lord. You are a reconciler. You restored relationships. And Lord, that's what you'd like to do in many of these situations. We're lifting our hands up before you, God, because we need your wisdom. We need help. Many of us have been trying to do it our own ways, Lord, and we're making a mess of things, God. So Father, would you teach us today to put into practice what we've learned? Would you teach us in this series? Would you help us to be more like Jesus? Would you give us the wisdom that James speaks of? Because we need you, Lord. Would you bring peace into the hearts of those who lifted their hands? Would you comfort them right now? Would you give them hope? You are a God, Lord, who restores and redeems. And we lift this up to you in Jesus' name.